Hello, and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 41 for the week ending Monday, January 25th. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital, and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andy Lemasugo, and with me is my good friend and co-host on the show, Defo Mahapi. How are you doing, man? I'm all good, man. I saw you on the telly yesterday. Hey, you know how we do from time to time. We have to hit the screen. <laughs> yeah, interesting thoughts on Twitter shutting down, but uh, we'll chat about that later, I guess. Indeed, indeed. We're very, very depressed people on, on, on planet Earth because of that shutdown. Nonetheless, if you're joining us for the first time, do head on to africantechroundup.com to catch up on what you've been missing. And, uh, of course, we are also on Twitter, no doubt, as well as Instagram. Our handle on both platforms is at African Roundup. Also on Facebook, by the way, do check us out at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. This episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Once again, head over to audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech for your free audiobook. Indeed, you do. Straight to the news, though, this week. First up, nearly a billion people on planet Earth will be thrilled at the fact that WhatsApp has made its service absolutely free. Hashtag subscription fees must fall. Indeed, subscription fees must fall. But who paid the subscription fee, if any? Not me, ever. I think we, we ran a poll on Friday and nobody, 0%. 0%. Look, I've, I've seen the notices. I've seen the whole, um, uh, do you want to pay now? And of course, I'm like, no. Do you want to pay for someone else? No. <laughs> and I've never seen money come off my account. Of course, I wouldn't know if they had because I don't really watch my, my, my billing that closely. Yeah, but it was a small fee. But I doubt there's been anyone who's paid it. If there was, I'm sure it was like a few, very few people who were like smartphone illiterate or something like that. People who might have looked at WhatsApp as a commercially viable entity might start to wonder how on earth WhatsApp plans to make money because um, if they're not going to be charging people, which they haven't been doing anyway, they're certainly not planning to run third-party ads. Uh, so the question is, what on earth is WhatsApp going to do to make money? Well, it's interesting because they're talking about introducing business accounts or so allowing people to chat with organizations and businesses. Maybe that's the angle they're taking where they'll not charge the individual users and probably have businesses and organizations pay a premium for certain type of channels like you have on WeChat? Yeah, so basically WhatsApp is going to become uh, very much like WeChat, if not exactly like WeChat, in which case it begs the question, why didn't they do all the things we see WeChat doing so much earlier? Yeah, but I think they, they wanted, it's it's one of those Silicon Valley or fail fast, succeed faster, mon monopolize an industry. They wanted to dominate a market. So they've got how many users? Billions of users on WhatsApp. They got those very quickly. You couldn't do those if you monetized early, I guess. And now they've got something they can play around with ideas and look at businesses and see how they can monetize from there. And I suppose there's something to be said for trying to maintain that purest approach as Instagram did. It might engender the kind of loyalty that a social network like, say, Facebook might not have. Uh, we sort of all are on Facebook, but grudgingly so. Instagram, Snapchat, certainly WhatsApp, we, we I think has a, a much more cozy, warmy spot in, in all our hearts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they... they... 
they didn't harass us with ads or, or trying to get money out of us. But talking of Instagram as well, just as a side note, which is also a Facebook company like WhatsApp, I think they're doing ads quite well. I mean, they feel very native. They don't feel very intrusive. Yeah, I actually quite like the creativity. I think innately, uh, I think maybe even the way they introduce the concept to potential partners and, and, and advertisers and, and brands that could use that platform, I think they were very, very clear on you know in launching the opportunity to advertise on Instagram that guys you have to respect the infrastructure you have to respect the community on instagram uh you can't just rock in uh, rock up there with uh you know a slapdash approach and i think by and large big up to the brands who are using it well giving us a sense of affinity without shoving stuff down our throats yeah i mean it's, it's well worth it and i think i'm interested to see how whatsapp rolls these business accounts out indeed he do but staying with social media networks twitter nearly broke the internet and millions of hearts by going offline for between three and six hours depending where you were in the world last uh, last week and it's widely believed that this outage has led to a spike in global commercial productivity what do you think therefore uh, most probably but most probably people spend their time complaining about twitter being down on facebook or right. instagram in which case it kind of evened out probably did now they say the issue was related to an internal code change do you believe this especially since uh, uh we spoke about facebook experimenting with with people's feelings uh, a week or two ago and switching off access to its android uh to its android app just to see what people would do do you really think it was a code change i don't know what to believe i'm pretty cynical when it comes to this i mean twitter is a big company with lots of software engineers and all sorts of layers of control in terms of deploying new code so when they say it's something that was out of their control and as a result of new code i start to ask didn't they test it in the dev environment and in q a quality assurance first so uh, no and you often talked about redundancy 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 i know you and peter pile have such a passion for this for that subject it's hard to imagine a company like twitter wouldn't have sufficient redundancies apparently though uh some some commentators saying uh this makes it, it sort of humanizes the brand you know it does give a sense of you know we're real people and we, we we've got our cracks and our flaws but ultimately we're here for you you know so it's probably a marketer who told them to bring it down <laughs> So yeah, so, so we start feeling sorry for them and start sticking around for them and we feel part of the, the, the furniture there. But I, I mean, uh, what's interesting to me is that once the problem was, was spotted, Twitter goes to Twitter to, <laughs> to go and report it. Fortunately for those of us who follow Twitter on Tumblr and other places, they, we were able to tell what was going on. You know what I was asked in my interview with the SABC on the weekend though, was, what would life be like without Twitter? Have you thought about that? Like what would life look like for us if Twitter were to say, go out of commission forever, like what would, yo. I don't think we'd miss it actually, now that I think about it. Oh man, but geez, the aggregation of, of, of information, news especially, I mean, it drives my day. Um, I don't know, was this just the sort of millennial in me just going, oh my word, do I go back to relying on, what, what did I rely on before? Was it Yahoo? Was it uh, uh, Google News? Or what did I use to aggregate my, my information? And again, do I go back to relying on sort of the formal structures of, of media and, 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 and press for my news? I quite like knowing what's at the pulse of what's going on all over the world. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, I use it and I love it for aggregating and creating lists and following, you know, all sorts of industry news and different types of news and different types of information. But as much as it's useful, what I'm trying to get to is that I don't think I'd really miss it if it disappeared. It is useful, but would I miss it? Yeah, maybe the first month. But after that, it will be like, okay, I'll find something else to aggregate information. 
I take your point. And also, it would be like two minutes before a, a similar startup came up and dominated the market in any case, you know, to fill the gap. Probably WhatsApp. Probably WhatsApp, actually. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's very, quite similar. WhatsApp uses your address book as a, as a social sort of address book. So that's the people you follow and they can contact you. So it's, they could do this in a flash if Twitter went down. Absolutely. Well, we're definitely swimming in social media news this week. Uh, Viber, you know, that messaging and calling app you deleted some years ago. Well, yeah, those guys. Uh, maybe it's time you downloaded uh, that app again or, or not, uh, because apparently they've got a great new innovation uh, that they've introduced to their platform called Public Chats. So original, uh, which lets their partners in Africa and the Middle East uh, in other words, brands, organizations, celebrities, and such uh, have live discussions with fans and allow people to follow them and like and share. Again, WeChat, anybody? <laughs> it's it's quite interesting. I mean, they one, they're going with a whole celebrity strategy, so definitely some marketing agency involved in advising them there that get a celebrity like you soon do. I see he's one of their public uh, partners for public chats, and people, his fans will likely, because this is a typical marketing pitch, his fans will likely hop onto the platform because they like him, therefore they like Viber. Forgetting probably they did have Viber, as you said, and probably uninstalled it, so... Just because it sucked. I mean, you could never make a call that lasted longer than half a second before you couldn't hear anything that was going on and there were delays and it was horrible stuff. And it was just, it was a great idea, but it almost felt too early. And it, it, not only was the app huge, it chowed a ton of bandwidth. It just didn't make sense. I, I don't see this lasting. I mean, they've, as you said, WeChat, WhatsApp's there. We got Skype. We got all sorts of dominating players. I think they should just try find a niche. Public chats is definitely not a niche that they should be going for, in my opinion. And they use the word innovation quite, uh, quite, quite liberally. Hey, this innovation thing, I think we should ban it for 2016, guys. Call, call your exciting news something else. Trust us, because we're going to edit it out of all your press releases. <laughs> yeah, I mean, innovation. Everybody's innovating, and you wonder, like, and you look at what they say they're innovating, and it's nothing new. Dude, and I mean, listen, If in case you still have Vibe on your phone and you're somewhat excited and maybe perhaps unbeknownst to us, the service has improved and uh, the, the, the core quality has improved, the messaging has some, you know, the messaging functionality is great, the UI or whatever. Uh, well, markets such as South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, Ivory Coast and Egypt um, can all look forward to public chats. Uh, like you mentioned, you can look forward to seeing some of your favorite celebrities, people like Yusundu. Uh, of course, they've been at pains to let us all know that global brands and celebrities, you know, such as the Huffington Post and, and Mashable and BuzzFeed and the BBC are, are all uh, making use of public chats in other parts of the world. Yawn to more serious news. <laughs> yeah, Viber, sorry, we're not bashing you, but this is not as exciting, but we needed to cover it just to tell you that. Yep, definitely. Big, they were definitely big enough to talk about, not, but not quite to be excited about. Moving on now to internet and connectivity services firm Seacom, who's partnering with the New York Stock Exchange listed firm Siena to deliver new network solutions to service providers across the continent and into main European points of presence, aka POPs. Big news. Big news, but interesting enough, Seacom was down uh, on Thursday, was it? was affecting South Africa, certainly, and apparently most of Sub-Saharan Africa in general. Turns out two undersea cable systems experienced significant problems, which um, they, they seem to have had under control by now, but uh, quite worrying. Yeah, this, they've, they've already been in partnership with Siena for quite a while, and hopefully this will help with redundancy and, and with delivery of their services to the continent. 
they haven't quite explained exactly how this partnership is going to do things like expand the African internet and quote-unquote facilitate data services for broadband and enable access to cloud-based web-scale applications. Um, we assume uh, that bigger is better and <laughs> more is faster. I, I, I don't know. I, I, or, or, or maybe they're just streamlining their business. I don't know, but all that talk sounds like big English and a marketing person wrote it. Uh, they didn't share with us much technical details in terms of how they're going to, how this is going to make their point of presence in terms of internet connectivity on the continent much better or improve the service or even uh, in future prevent outages like we had last week. And also a theme that continues to to come up from time to time or here on the show is, is the question of the affordability of this broadband internet. It's all well and good that we have all this access and it's improving, you know, year on year. The question of how many Africans are, you know, realistically in a position to afford this access. True. I mean, prices, Ccom, uh, as we heard from Brandon Doyle, have dropped their prices, but uh, we don't see it at the end user level. Hopefully this will start coming down in times to come. And interesting enough, whilst we're talking about telecoms, just last week, Friday, news just in was that Celsi Zero rated their WhatsApp voice calls in South Africa. Oh, yes. So that should make things very interesting given how, uh, actually, it's this week. Actually, this week, a parliamentary committee tasked with looking into OTTs will be discussing if and how they could possibly start to regulate the OTT, uh, OTT players like WhatsApp and so on. And um, MTN, Vodacom, all backing, uh, you know, all sort of bidding for government to do something about this, this uh, you know, this problematic trend we're seeing in OTTs taking advantage of infrastructure they built. And then on the other hand, you've got Celsi going, hey, <laughs> opportunity. Not only, not only um, do you not have to pay for WhatsApp, thanks to WhatsApp, but uh, we'll offer it for free. Yep, very interesting. I mean, the voice calls, that they, they're showing more future thinking, saying that, look, we're not interested in your voice calls, just give us your data money. Don't get too excited, South Africa, because it is a promotion, so it could very well get you hooked on some crack, and then you have to pay later. True, because they did say it's a limited offer. Well, to Nigeria next, we're hot off the introduction of cash payments by Uber. The company has partnered with money transfer service provider, Paga, so that riders in Lagos can pay for their cash trips using their mobile phone. Yo, it seems Uber's stopping at nothing to try and get people's money. It's interesting. So, But this whole uh, conundrum of payments shows that there is a big problem of payments in terms of electronic payments on the continent. If Uber is struggling to get customers on board simply because of payments, then it shows that there is a great opportunity for that. Kudos to them for, for doing what they can to make sure that their, their services is accessible to as many people as possible. I'm sure they've got <laughs> very good business reasons for doing so, given how profitability seems to be a far distant dream for this company. Yeah, profitability is long, but again, it's that Silicon Valley mentality of uh, let's dominate the market, let's be the only player so that by the time we've got a good chunk of the market, we can look at ways to to monetize this or to become profitable. But with Uber on the continent, it's proving quite problematic, especially, like I said earlier, payment is still an issue. 
Yeah, and listen, Nigeria, tell us uh, how, how this is working out. Is, is this an innovation that you guys are welcoming? Because as, as it turns out, uh, riders can, can pay by visiting the mobile site, Paga's mobile site, as well as downloading the Paga app. You know, so you don't actually actually even have to have the Paga app on your, on your phone, and, and you can still enjoy the convenience of, of cash-free payments. So, uh, yeah, tell us whether you think this is a great innovation, uh, a step in the right direction for Uber, or nah. <laughs> Well, to Cameroon now, where MTN and Orange are in some serious trouble. Uh, according to the country's corruption watchdog, CONAC, the two mobile operators owe an estimated $166 million in taxes. MTN again in the news for the wrong reasons. It's, it's worrying that um, there seems to be a trend to impunity, uh, a trend towards acting uh, in impunity for these very large mobile telecom operators. It seems it sounds like a culture thing because it's so repetitive. I mean, it's not just it's this one is for bribes. The other one was for a visa phone deal being being investigated when that because of bribes again. Then it's an issue of uh, uh, SIM cards not being registered and the big fine in Nigeria, and it's and dodging taxes in different countries on the continent. So it seems it sounds like it. I mean, this is purely anecdotal from news reports, but it sounds like it's a culture thing within MTN. And and now Orange, who, you know, clearly joining the party. And, of course, you just say nothing of those horrendous allegations to do with the Middle East, you know, that hounded MTN a few years ago. <sighs> Again, we, we, we don't mean to, like, uh, pick on them, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's not looking good, folks. On to our final story, though, which also serves as the springboard for today's discussion. Human rights organization Amnesty and the African Resources Watch, AfriWatch, have accused Apple, Samsung, Sony, and other leading tech producers of failing to perform due diligence to ensure minerals used in their products are not mined by children. Now, we're talking children as young as seven years of age. This is horrendous news. This is terrible. I think they, they do have a duty. I mean, some people might argue that they're not in control of the mining process and those are just suppliers. But I think as big companies, they, they do have a duty to ensure that their suppliers are ethical. Now, there's been a disturbing uh, investigation that Amnesty and AfriWatch conducted into a specific company called Congo Donfang Mining, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of a Chinese firm. Now, they investigate, the investigation found that up to 16 multinationals were listed in their books as customers. Customers who uh, obviously source cobalt for them. Cobalt, which that company in turn sources from Congo, which uh, it turns out supplies or produces at least 50% of the world's cobalt. Now, that sounds like a, that sounds, you know, good until you, you, you hear what the problem is. And the problem is it's been reported that at least 80 miners have died underground in southern DRC between September 2014 and December 2015. That's less than a year. There are also tons of testimonies of children who allegedly are working in the mines. The report does state that these children aren't necessarily underground, but they are working and as young as seven years old. It's, it's so, and, and cobalt, in case you don't know, cobalt is a vital component into lithium-ion batteries that we all have in, in practically every smartphone, uh, feature phone, uh, tablet uh, would have these components. It's quite fair to assume at least 50% of every device out there will have cobalt sourced from the DRC. 
Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's the, the, the companies need to be held accountable. But something we also need to talk about is the government of the DRC as well that needs to be held accountable. And ourselves as consumers, I mean, as consumers, we, we buy Apple and have Apple devices and have Samsung devices and have all these devices that we don't really care. We just care about the end product. But if it's being produced in unethical uh, ways, we need to start questioning ourselves. Oh, no, you talk about accountability. Only one of those 16 firms has admitted the connection to that particular firm uh, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, as the source of cobalt that they used in their, in their tech products. Five outrightly denied sourcing the material from, the, from that company, despite the fact that they, they were listed in their books. Um, there are six firms that have committed to investigating those claims. And um, major firms like Apple and Sony and Samsung have basically uh, come out saying that they have zero tolerance towards child labor and that they're, they're, you know, they're doing their best to try and use other materials and, and, and that they're working with suppliers to address issues and that they've got all these uh, checks and balances and, and sanctions in place for companies that they discover using child labor. I'm sorry, not good enough, man. No, not good enough. I mean, Apple has said that uh, they, they've got checks and balances, as you say, of checking, but I don't think that's good enough. We've seen a similar scandal outside tech, I mean, a couple of years back with Nike as well. I think the pressure needs to come heavily from consumers because uh, that's where the companies are going to feel the pressure if we stop buying their products or start protesting and asking them to be really accountable quite rich for us to sit here and, <laughs> and basically wag our fingers at these companies when we're recording this podcast on, on Apple products and, and, and our smartphones are helping us uh, broadcast this very message to the world. And yet, you know, it's, it's definitely not enough to be mouth service. I hear what you're saying. It, the other concern, though, that comes to mind is where, where is the DRC government in all of this? It's hard to imagine how a government that cares about a people could let something like this happen. And, you know, and yes, yet it does. And perhaps they're not even aware of it. I don't know. How, how does this happen? I find it very difficult to believe that they're not aware of it. Uh, you might find that that CDM company, Congo Dongfeng Mining, some of the shareholders are Congolese or from the ruling party. So I find it very hard to believe that they wouldn't know or oblivious and are not aware of the fact that there are unethical practices within these companies like child labor that mine cobalt. So I think it's just a matter of uh, getting profits at, by whatever means necessary. And there's no doubt in my mind that cobalt is being used, not only because of its efficacy as a conductor, but probably because of how cheap it's being sourced. It's just horrible to think that it could be a pure economic play on the part of, of producers who could very well use other other minerals or implements to, to make the same product. I have a hard time imagining that innovation couldn't be applied <laughs> to this problem. Yeah, and these batteries don't last long anyway. I mean... <laughs> Clearly cobalt isn't what you should be using. But as you say, it's probably a cheap cost for them. So when they sit down with a spreadsheet and look at the input, like all the different inputs into making a smartphone or a mobile device and cobalt is one of the inputs and they look at the price point and think, ah, we should keep using it. Don't worry about R&D. Well, listen to this. Uh, Apple actually <laughs> Apple actually says whenever they run an audit and they find a supplier that's been using child labor, this is what they force that that particular company to do. It's fund that worker's safe return home, finance the worker's education at, at a school chosen by the worker or his family, continue to pay the, the worker's wages, and offer him or her a job when he or she reaches legal age of work. How about blacklist the company, never use them again, name and shame them, put them on the interweb and so that no one else touches them and no one else deals with them. How about that, Apple? 
Yeah, I mean, this is a this classic trying to turn the the shift to to the workers to saying, oh no, look how what we're doing for the workers. But the problem is not the workers, Apple. The problem is the companies that you're sourcing your minerals from. You see, in this particular case, what they're saying is, when we find you doing this, we're going to force you to to actually take turn that kid and turn them into the next president of DRC and whatever. You should stop doing business. How about stopping to do business with them? How about them apples? Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear they need to stop having that supplier but obviously in this case they probably can't afford to have them as a supplier because likely the only or one of a few companies that can supply them with cobalt and here's a question i'm asking myself and i'm asking our listeners and say they don't stop say we're we're reporting on this very story once again another year from now nothing's been done about that report uh we discover evidence that another 80 miners have died underground in, in horrendous conditions and children as young as seven are still being used what are we as consumers going to do about it is the question yeah, I think it also, again, as my point earlier, is that we need to rise up and say, okay, I need to sacrifice all the benefits that come with having Apple devices or Samsung devices or Acer or whatever, Sony devices, and stand up for the rights of these people. I'm ashamed to say, even as you were saying that, my heart was just shrinking at the possibility of not having to to use apple products anymore and 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 the reason i'm embarrassed by that is because we're talking life and death in many respects uh, of people who, who do not have a voice um who do not have a choice who are waiting on on people who, who know better to treat them better it is indeed a serious thing listen i don't know if you have any ideas africa about what we could do about the situation are you how upset are you that some of your favorite brands are happily profiting from the use of child labor and allowing miners to work in horrendous conditions just so you can have a brand new iPhone 6. How do you feel about that? Do let us know. Give us a shout on Twitter, at African Roundup. Uh, the hashtag is ATRU. You can holler at us on that. Of course, on our Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Or comment directly on our website that's africantechroundup.com we'd love to hear from you and if you'd like to be part of the show by contributing a voice message uh, to the show we'd love to hear from you send us an email the email address is hello at africantechroundup.com now that's today's show but once again we'd like to thank Audible for sponsoring today's episode of the African Tech Roundup now they're offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service now we recommend a great book called elon musk tesla spacex and the quest for a fantastic future by ashley vance now the book spotlights the technology and vision of elon musk the renowned entrepreneur and innovator behind spacex tesla and solar city now you'll remember he sold one of his internet companies oh a little one called paypal for something like 1.5 billion dollars now ashley vance captures the full spectacle and arc of of elon musk's life and work from his tumultuous upbringing right here in south africa to his flight to the United States and his dramatic technical innovations as well as entrepreneurial pursuits. And you can enjoy that audiobook by going straight to audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech and all for free. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech for your free audiobook. And thank you for listening to us. Uh, from me, Tifomo Happy, it's cheers. It's cheers from me, Andile Masugu. Do join us again next time, folks. Peace. <laughs>